Welcome to Get Into Highland with your host, Chris Ebel. Chris's guest today, Jeremy Beard. Get Into Highland is brought to you by Digital Arts. Digital Arts Sign and Graphics House in Highland provides the finest service for designs and layouts, innovative sign solutions, vehicle graphics, promotionals and banners, as well as glass decor and lettering. Their mission is to help Main Street USA compete with corporate marketing by providing skilled design advice, exemplary service, and the highest quality products customized to local businesses while rivaling big companies. Their vision is create a passion to solve the paradox of cutting-edge visibility that stands the test of time. Digital Arts is open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Contact them at 618-651-1500 or online at digitalarts.us. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-A-R-T-Z dot U-S. Digital Arts, changing the face of signs. Uh, Jeremy Beard here with us today. He's going to talk, teach us about some intermediate or introductory hunting stuff. Um, help out people that may be looking to get into the, the sport. Um, myself is kind of an entry-level person, so it's kind of a fitting thing. Um, but, um, Jeremy, what what have you been up to in the past couple of weeks? What's, what books have you read? What shows are you watching? Well, it's it's funny that we are. you asked me to come out and talk a little bit about hunting and that because we are in the realm of hunting season right now, so uh that's where my uh time and uh energy has been focused on is uh naturally the the deer season is here in Tawana, so I usually spend as much time as I can out chasing the elusive whitetail. Do they usually run at you or no my my luck they're running away let me tell you uh especially here lately they it seems like they've just been running the wrong way or I'm in the wrong stand or a picture comes off of a trail camera where I thought about hunting that morning and I decided against it and uh, they walk past it like a taunt me type thing. Like your primary, do you bow hunt? Yeah, I bow hunt, um, uh, which I love bow hunting. For one, it's more of a challenge. Two, uh, you get a longer season with it starting in October, October 1st runs through the middle of January, so you've got a longer time span of hunting. Uh, but I will I will gun hunt. Uh, the gun season actually is upon us. It starts this Friday, um, and then it's off a week, and then uh, there's Thanksgiving in between, and then you have a second season. So um, I usually use the gun season uh, to help manage the properties with uh, doe management. So it's got to be a, just a real banger of a deer for me to shoot it with a gun. I like to shoot them with a bow. So um, usually I just use the gun season to help manage the doe population, the norm. Is it, what's the normal population ratio in your area? Um, that's a tough question because it, it, usually biologists will go out and kind of do numbers or you can even... Um, People, t- there's little formulas you can do, and you want to kind of keep um, a buck to doe ratio. If you have too many does on a piece of property and uh, not enough bucks, um, it causes, well, some of it can be where you don't have a tough time killing the bucks because uh, as soon as one doe comes out of heat, they can immediately find another one. They don't have to what they call the chasing. Uh, they don't have to do much chasing when the, all the does are 
right there so they just can uh, kind of go from one dough going into heat right into the next so it it uh, kind of makes it hard to uh, when they're in lockdown a lot of this terminology people are like what lockdown what's all that mean sounds like it would just make them lazy yeah well <laughs> they don't have to go as far yeah. uh, uh, to look for their lady friends yeah uh, so. and it's good for the it's honestly it's good for the the, the herd to uh, to kind of thin you know you naturally with anything with overpopulation then you start to get into inbreeding things and you know then deformities and disease and yeah so they try to you want to try to keep your population under control do you hunt anything else with bows yeah i mean um i mean i typically uh i have not yet hunted uh elk with a bow but it's it's that we're there i've been putting in points for uh different states in order to go out to do it um i just haven't acquired enough we can talk about that in a little bit about how that works in different areas but um out of staters have to have you know points and stuff for some areas to go into and hunt uh versus being a resident versus non-resident so in the grounds of somebody starting out to hunt that might be a good place to start here uh, where does where does the average guy go what's one of the first steps of of um i i think yeah that's a good question i think the first step is deciding on what it is you're wanting to do um whether it be uh um whether you're wanting to get into bow hunting or whether it's you know more of a gun guy you like guns want to get into guns type of thing or both um but i think uh if it's brand new world to you uh i think definitely when we talk about if we're gonna well just because gun season's here if we're gonna talk about like gun hunting i think definitely uh the first thing where i and i say this regardless of age is you know all areas uh, especially in illinois around you can look up they have hunter safety courses so uh, if you're not much into you know if you haven't been much around that um like for instance since we're here in highland the gun club usually puts on a couple of year um and you can it's a three-day deal i think and and it's just like hunter safety and they're going to go through you know hunter safety and uh the other thing would be also is you know kind of researching the um you know the dnr website uh because you know understanding what the bag bag limits are and um so i would start off first by you know definitely getting my hunter safety uh in because i think some safe and kids especially um, they have to have that in order to even even go. Um, they get a little card saying that they had it, and then a lot of states around us require that. Even like at our age, at 48, um, some states require they want to see that cert- certification, which I got when I was 13. So I had to have one laminated uh, because they want to see that you had some kind of, you know, training hunter safety. Um, so that's where I would start. I would start with hunter safety course. So you've kept the same one? I actually, the one, if I brought it in and showed it to you, you know, from 13 to now, it had been ran through the wash, you know, I mean, all these years. I had to laminate it. And it's so bad that I can't even read what my number was. I actually had to contact the state in order for them to tell me what my number was for it because I couldn't even read it anymore. But the state keeps all that on file. You can dig them up. Um, That's good that they keep their databases up. Yes. And the... uh 
and for something to last that long. I mean, yeah, so that's a good time. Yeah. So, in the uh, so it, the, most of these hunter safety courses, do they they cost a lot of money? No, a matter of fact, I think some of them are free, uh, or or, or they're, it's very minimal. Um, it ain't much at all, uh, and usually there's they're bringing guests and people to talk to. Uh, <clears throat> they're really geared. I mean, it's geared for anybody who um, is not familiar with you know with you know guns and things like that. But they really try to gear them towards young the young because you know to carry that on. So they do a lot of things. Let them. Some of the, you know, I haven't, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to one. You know, even my kids are quite a bit older now, but they used to let them shoot and different things like that. Uh, they may still do that. I haven't been to one in a while to know uh, if they let them, like, they used to shoot 22 rifles and stuff like that. But I don't yeah. know if they even still do that anymore. Um, well, in the, the process of that, I mean, the whole safety protocol is a good thing to have up front. Um, and it seems like education, yeah. finding out what you actually want to do in seeking the proper safety and equipment. Sure. A very good start. Um, on the grounds of uh, personal liability, is there anything like that that people should know about? Well, like when you're, when you're talking about hunting, like you, you, there's a few things we could talk about with that. You know, you may have family farm ground, you know, or some wife, you know, somebody that you know is going to allow you to hunt on or, um there's always the option of public ground you know in our area there's you know carlisle's got a lot of public ground if you get a further out east uh, out east i'm sorry there's some state you know state ground and you can find all that stuff on like the dnr website and stuff but um there are there's still opportunities for uh banging on doors you know asking farmers and uh people landowners if you can hunt their ground um, things have changed a lot over the years. I'll tell you that, um, a lot of farmers are more, uh, apt or wanting to lease their ground out. Um, and within that there is, you know, they, they do worry about liabilities of, well, if I allow you to come out and hunt my ground and you fall asleep in a tree and fall out, you know, of this tree and break a leg or break your back, you know, then I'm, you're on my ground. So there's, you know, the opportunity for you to sue me as a landowner. And there's policies that you can have made that uh, take the liability away from the landowner that you you know that you can have drawn up. It's relatively easy to do and cheap to present to them, saying, "Hey, here I have a limited liability policy saying that you're not, you know, responsible." Which so if you're looking for private ground, that's that's an eye raiser for a, for a, a person that owns their own ground. Going, okay, well if I do allow this, I'm not going to be so much uh, at fault if if they get hurt. You know, yeah. Um, so that's something that you could consider if you're going to chase down, you know, private ground to to try to hunt on. Yeah, that's good to know because I think that gets overlooked a lot of people on other people's property of how that liability falls because that that could really affect somebody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it could be detrimental to a farm or a family if someone would go after them and you know try to take that away from them because of their negligence, you know? So I, I had a buddy that his, his deer stand just broke. Yeah. He was and it happens. Fell and he, he injured himself pretty good. Sure. So, um, it, it those things happen unfortunately, but you know, he's doing fine. 
Yeah, so. good. Yeah, it's, you know, they have all the, you know, harnesses. And I mean, there's so much out there now that uh, for tying yourself off up in trees and, and things. Yeah. Uh, they make, they made it a lot easier because the old style stuff was a pain in the butt to put on. So people wouldn't put them on because it was a pain in the butt and they've made things now that are just so much easier to put on. Heck, some of the, some of the clothing it's in stitched within the clothing and, uh, it zips up. So it's the harness is actually the hunting coat type hmm. stuff. So they've made it, they've made it a lot more safe, you know, for more, uh, appealing, uh, to people so that getting them to use it you know i mean there's probably an app for that anymore yeah know? probably <laughs> you, um, find, you could find a you know safety stuff like that it, even in construction and, and things like that the harnesses are a pain yeah know? sure but they are the necessary they're just a necessary evil um in the grounds of uh um hunter safety uh before you mentioned something on just uh, the ethics of it, and maybe you were speaking of that earlier about the uh, the doe population, but in that, um, I don't know if there's something that um, on uh, hunter's ethics that you maybe. Yeah, want to... you know, sometimes in some areas, depending on where you're from, you know, sometimes um, certain areas hunters get a bad rap per se. And that could be as little as, um, you know, someone heard a conversation of someone who was probably not being ethical and then they get a bad taste in their mouth for people out hunting, you know. Um, but I think that people need to understand that it's actually a good thing. It's It does help keep populations under control. It's huge. Um, people worry about, I mean, go to half these body shops around here, especially around this time of year and ask them how many uh, vehicles they got in there for uh, deer hits and such. So it does, it, it does help with managing population as well as, I mean, if, it, it, if you want to look at it, I mean, as far as um, it's good for you to eat, it's healthy, it's lean, it's, it's good, you know, so it's, it's, it's healthy red meat, you know, and uh, it's, it's good for you. You know, yeah. and so we eat a lot of it at home. You know, the kids like it, sausage and everything. But as far as ethics go, I think that, you know, that's within the person, you know, the type of person you are. Um, and ethics can go a couple of ways here. You, you know, you also, I feel like, have to be, you know, towards the animals as well, you know, and within the hunter safety. And what I mean by that is, you know, anybody can go to the, go to, go to the uh, store and buy the gun that they want to use and then go take the class and go to the hardware store and buy some shells and then run out to the nearest place that they got to hunt and get up there and just start throwing lead around. So I think that we owe it to the animals as well as take the time to practice and shoot and get comfortable with where your equipment's hitting so that we're not as well as um, we're not as well just out there, you know, deer run around with, uh, arrows stuck in them all over the place because guys ain't practicing shooting their, you know, their bows as well as guns. You know, it, it's, this sounds, it's, it's sad, but a lot of guys will go after the gun seasons up to some of these states, the state ground, uh, during, after the gun seasons with bows and they call it, they just go through there and clean up cripples because, you know, this old boy shoots one and, um, well, I think I hit it. Maybe I did. Well, there's a little bit of blood, but 
that's 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 all I found out back to the truck or back to the stand. We'll get another one. So I think we owe it to that animal as well, as far as ethics go, is to make sure we're 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 doing our due diligence, you know, of you know, yeah. uh, making sure that our equipment's right. I mean, in the experience level you have, I mean, that's that's you know, the guidance that I, I hope that you share with the community here in this on this radio show here. Um, and the uh, there was a question that I was thinking of if because you were talking about the leanness of the meat in that, and I, I isn't it that uh, there's different tastes of meat depending on where they live. Like mm-hmm. if you had a get a deer that's close to say a populated cornfield, yeah, that's, you're going to have a different than, flavor than something that's in the uh, desolate woods, like if you were in Pike County. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I would say maybe. A, I, I, I don't know as far as, I know that when you talk about uh, game as far as like uh, game out west where they have a lot of sage and stuff that they eat, um, they, they I have heard, I haven't myself tried it, but they say that animals, that that's what they eat a lot of, then the meat's got a, like a sagey taste to it. Uh, around here, I would say, yeah, that definitely, I would say that they're like as far as deer in our area, Corn-fed deer versus acorn deer are probably going to be a little different, you know. And what I mean by like acorn deer is you get into more like, you know, southern Illinois where um, it's, you know, like Shawnee National Forest where there's not a lot of crop fields and they're more living in these big desolate timbers. You know, a lot of their, you know, food is acorns and stuff like that, whereas, you know, areas where it's a lot of um, agricultural land, they're eating beans, corn, you know. And then the other thing is a lot of these guys are planting, you know, clover and whitetail clover and turnips and things that are drawing these deer into their, you know, their properties to hunt, which is all good for them, you know, which yep. makes them more healthy, you know. Um, I, well, I know them deer. Every time I put flowers on my grandparents' grave at Jefferson Barracks. They, oh, I mean, that place is crazy. I would um, encourage anybody if that just want to look at deer, take a ride over there and ride through there because the amount of deer in there and then the amount of like, like looking at big bucks and stuff, they're all over. Yeah. That place is wild. It's a protected area there. Um, I, I'm over in that that area a lot, but um, they, I mean, but they run out in the street and they get they get hit over there. Yeah. But but it's it's a protected area, so there's there's no hunting them in that part. But um, they they're they're I mean, even in the city down there, there there's deer getting hit. See, and I you know like we talk about this like I I feel like in some of those areas, um. And maybe they do, and, and it's just not publicized, but they got to be letting some kind of management go on, whether it's a draw lottery system of, of, amongst a group of people or something, because the reason why I say that is they, get, they, they, they have to be getting overpopulated, and then yeah. you run into things of, you know, deer inbreeding and different things like that. But you, you say Jefferson Barracks, and I think of even closer. Um, take a ride through uh, SIUE in Edwardsville. You know all that college ground. And my, I got a couple of kids going to school over there, and they'll send me videos. They're walking out of class with big old bucks standing right in the grass next to the, you know, the concrete sidewalk, going right through the middle of the campus. They're know? waiting on their Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, they're in line at Starbucks <laughs> for uh, um, latte. Yeah. The um. 
what's um, what's one of the dilemmas that uh, somebody might run into on their first hunting trip? What's like an experience that that you might be able to describe to prevent somebody from possibly the biggest one I would say, I mean, that when the minute you say that question to me, the first thing that comes to mind for me is what um, a lot of people would call buck fever. Uh, what I and what I mean by that is um, that first initial, or and I'll tell you, after hunting some thirteen, you know, for years, I still get the adrenaline rush. I I say that there is can't be any drug out there that can give you that rush if you're into hunting that uh, a, a, a big deer or, you know some people get it from just any deer but that that um that rush of uh of, of, of the moment it's time to make it happen so i would say um and i i don't even know if there's a way to fix it um of that overwhelming nervousness um that they call buck fever per se, but um, I, I mean, if I if somebody said, well, what would you give a tip for to help control that? I think a lot of it is exposure. The more time you spend in a tree, being in them situations um, can make that a little bit less of a, a mess. And what I mean by a mess, I mean you can really you'll people get worked up and be shaken, and their whole body's just adrenaline, you know. Um, Talk yourself through stuff, you know, like kind of in your mind, try to make some kind of a, I do that myself. I have a system in my head, and I don't even know how to explain it, but I walk myself through a shot in my brain. And by walking myself through the shot, I'm thinking about more of what I'm supposed to be doing than what's in front of me. Kind of take away that that feel of, oh my gosh, I've got to shoot this thing, or i got to make this shot count, you know. So... But I think that uh, that's what makes people come back too. Is that wow? You know, yeah. that was you know I put in the work, I put in the time, the effort, and here I am in the moment of truth. Can I make it happen? Yeah. You know, um, I think that's what gets people coming back. Or you miss it, yeah. and you're like, I'm I'm going to get my vengeance back here at some point. Yeah. And uh, what's the most perfect weather for? You know, um, is it this I would, 80 degree weather? No, not at all. Um, the weather has been atrocious uh, up up until the last week. I mean, deer. Like, if you're going to talk weather, it's um, so we, we need to back up a little bit. You know, so like, if, if we're going to talk deer hunting right now, you know, so different animals come into season different times of year. So, you know. Dove season's in September. Squirrel season starts in August, um, and then deer season start, starts in October. So, you know, naturally, if we're going to talk deer hunting right now, um, earlier seasons, warmer weather, uh, deer don't tend to want to move a lot because of the heat. They're naturally they have fur on them. They get hot just like anybody, so they want to stay close to water, stay in the shade, um, and then. Uh, November starts to come around, mid-October starts to come around, and deers, deer change from wanting to eat, drink, and sleep to it's time to start looking for a girlfriend. And their whole demeanor starts changing, you know. Um, 
bachelor groups of bucks. What I mean by bachelor groups is through the off season, bucks tend to run together. Those kind of hang out together. And then as season comes together, um, the bucks will start to split uh, up out of what they call bachelor groups and kind of go off and start to declare territory. Like this is my, this is my land. These are my ladies and fighting. So what I'm getting at is when the weather's warmer, um, the running and stuff tends to happen more in the night and the evening because it cools off. So the hunter naturally is out there during daylight hours. So less of an opportunity happens because the deer are moving at night. And we could get into this. I mean, this could we could go in hours with moon phases. When the moon's out, the deer like to run more at night. But cold weather, colder weather would be is more ideal for a lot of reasons. Not so much that it keeps the deer up on their feet because it's cold. They need to eat, keep fat on for it's getting cold. Plus, two, um, us as hunters, um, the shooting and harvesting also get, allows us a little more time to to do something with the meat versus I shoot it in October, it's 80 degrees, and if I don't find that deer within, you know, an hour or two, that meat's spoiling, you know. Yeah. So um, colder weather gives us more time to, unfortunately, if we make a bad shot, we can let it lay, you know, and perspire, and then we're not losing the animal too. So I say colder's better. That's, I, that's kind of my perception of it as well. I'm going to take a short break here, and we will be right back. And we're back. Hey, we're discussing some things over the break and kind of reminiscing some old stories here. Um, I know every family has some past experience that brings a light in their life that they think very fondly of and we kind of want to touch on tradition oh man yeah um gosh i mean if hunting and is to me is uh i mean some of my greatest fondest memories of with family were in a hunting camp a deer camp uh or on a hunting trip and i think it's so important you know i mean i feel like it's it's a way to keep families together and friends together or at least ways to get back in touch if with busy lives at least we know we got a weekend together or a week together um it's uh i think it's 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 more than just i mean hunting to me and i think a lot of hunters if you talk to them and set them down and i think they'll tell you the same thing hunting is more than just hunting the animal i mean it's more of a it's there's more to it than that that's that might be the reward you got the big buck you were after, but even if you don't get him, um, the time the time in the woods, the experience, the amount of time you spent with your friends or family, uh, is is just as rewarding. Uh, keeps you coming back for more. I know I was telling you, Chris, in the break, um, we we do a lot of snowmobiling and stuff in Wisconsin, and they do a lot of hunting up there. And um, I bought a sweatshirt up there one time that said, if you teach your kids to hunt, you don't have to hunt for your kids. And uh, there's some truth to that per se. Uh, some of them, all of mine were in it at some point. Some still are, some kind of grew out of it. The girls sometimes tend to grow out of it. Not all, some of the girls, my girls kind of grew out of it. Um, the boys stayed in it some, one of the boys is in and out of it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's family, it's traditions, and but they still have all those memories. Yeah, that's, that's the that there's something about those moments because you, you 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 can live life and just kind of blaze through it, but there's something about creating moments in time, and those are the important ones. Um, that's kind of what stands out to you when you look back on your life. You know, they say if you do something once with a boy, it's tradition. It's flat out <laughs> tradition. That's just it. Yeah, and you know, it, it's funny. As we've gotten older, do you think that the, the older people before us say the same things like, um, you know, there's just never any, there's just never much time anymore. It's like everybody's lives are so busy that every little bit of time you get is, is so valuable. You think. You think we are moving faster, or do you think it's just we're older and it seems like it's moving faster? It's a good yeah. question, Ann. Yeah, there was a conversation I had uh, a couple weeks ago with a, with an old guy, and he was telling me, you know, if you ever you ever tried hunting, I'm like, I've been hunting when I was a kid, but I has been a long time. He's like, man, all the stuff you're telling me, you know, some of the things you're struggling with here, you just need to go sit in a tree. Mm. Until it, it gets so quiet and you're so focused that a squirrel sounds like a rhinoceros going through the woods. And I was like, man, you're right. That's, yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think touching on the, the, the family, the truth and tradition, um, there's, there's an experience level there that gets lost in all the video, your cell phone. That's not, that's not a traditional aspect. That's just entertainment. It goes in yep. and it's gone. And the only thing that fulfills it is more. Yeah. But tradition, those experiences, those higher level moments, that's that's what life is. Yeah. And, you know, you bring that up about that, those sitting that tree. I mean, I find it, some of the best therapy just to just get yourself, you know, in check sometimes sitting in a tree as daylight comes, you know, upon you or you know, sitting in a tree as it, as the sun sets is you can't, you don't do it. You probably don't understand it, but if you do hunt or even hike or anything like that, any of those times of the day where it's, you ain't out doing that kind of stuff, you won't understand it. But if you do, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's, it, you can't explain what that does for your soul. Uh, little Fred Bear used to say about your soul. There's something, yeah, it is. The powerful moment of the sunrise, and sunrise on East Coast on a beach, and yeah. that's a, that's an incredible thing. So, um, so in your, so your entire family was into hunting, right? A lot, yeah, a lot. Cousins, um, brothers, you know. Wives? No, never could get. Um, that never could get that to go that direction. Uh, I've tried to ask her to go a few times. Uh, she's not real interested. I don't think it's the cold, but uh, now they're making these huts you can sit in with heaters and make it a little more comfortable. And we um, I've tried to try to get her to go, but um, yeah, like a Yankee candle or something. Yeah. <laughs> they make all these heaters and stuff now, and I mean clothing's come a long way too. Uh, but no, a lot of just. Um, you know, my brothers and uh, cousins and friends and kids and uh, their kids. And it's just, I like watching. I love the young. 
I love teaching young, you know, young people to to hunt. A, me and a friend of mine on Friedel Farms where I hunt at, um, we did it for a while. We're gonna do it again. <clears throat> we would always, um, I would get on a little Facebook page I have, and I would have kids who've never been before, who ever never been before, who have been a few times and just never had any luck, and we would draw and take a kid during the youth season uh, because we have a pretty good spot, you know, and um, man, just to be with somebody, they do that for the first time, especially a young kid, because if they liked it, now you've implanted something in them that they were going to take and go and then possibly pass it on and keep and then keep that cycle going. Just how somebody taught, took me and taught me, you know, I mean, it's ancient, you know, sport now of is it used to be that was life yeah and that's how you ate i mean you survived i mean those those hunting parties and things they they were they were a tradition they were a rite of passage yeah i mean even if you look back at indian time they would have these big you know get togethers before they went out for the big hunt i mean it was still camp of some sort you know getting ready for the big hunt so we've always had that type of type of uh, behavior when it comes to hunting. Yeah, I don't know, there's something about it. I don't. I don't know. It's 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 crazy. Well, there's yeah. There, there's definitely um, something instilled in nature in, in man that that is a provider. You know, yeah, you're supposed to. You know, and it's not for everyone. Some people may try it and be like, ah, yeah. You know, I ain't for this. Or some uh, people like fishing. Some yeah. People, I encourage anybody to just get out in the outdoors. I mean, yeah. our world is so beautiful, and so many people are so busy that it passes them by. That go out west, go out to Wyoming, go out to you know Montana, take a drive through there. You know, my God, the mountains and are not even out west. I mean, anywhere there's so much beautiful places to go. Just go look at it. Agreed. You know. Well, this, if this is the first step to a great season of shows, I hope it is. Yes. And I wish you the best with this. I hope it works out good. Um, I hope to see you again here. Yeah. So uh, I know we've been on a radio show in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's a very modest success from that one. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, we're, we're working towards this one, growing it and seeing where it goes. Um, that's one thing I'll, I'll say to the listeners. If you're listening, whatever, whenever you get the time, get out there, have an adventure. Yeah, step into the outdoors. All right, have a good night.